irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm. Horse Ownership Experience brought to you by TaylorMade Farm. Call Travis White, 859-396-3508. Book your mare today. Midnight Storm, Shawish, not this time. Daddy Longlegs, new to the roster. Um, This is the Horse Ownership Experience. Happy New Year. This is unbelievably our fifth year. Our first show was on February 3rd, 2015. I just looked that up. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. If you need anything about partnerships, syndicates, pin hooking, email me, Billy, at littleredfeather.com. Alongside of me, as always, from Parts Unknown, the great Michelle Yu. I don't know if she can mute fast enough, but here she is. Are you there? I'm here. In the car? I'm getting in the car. Getting in the car with Spencer. Getting and Olivia. in the car. Now Olivia just had a gymnastics uh, class. Yes, how, yes. How Olivia she... is quite the gymnast. She is. She's she growing is. up so fast. Do you realize, Michelle? I just said this, and I don't know if you heard me. February third, two thousand fifteen, was our first show. We are approaching our five year anniversary. That's insane. I mean, like, <laughs> did, I can't even believe that. Did you ever think that this show would go for five years? <laughs> no, I didn't. And the, you know what? I actually, the, I have a photo from the first day we did that first show. Right. We got to post that on Twitter at Own a Horse. I think that's the Twitter only handle. photo that we at, have. Yeah. At at. Well, then Michelle had I'll have babies. To dig it up. I mean, how old was Olivia? Um, she wasn't born yet. Yeah. So you've had two kids in the last five years. I've done nothing in the last five years except, uh, the show. So, um, you, you win on that front. Uh, how was your new year? Oh, reconnecting. There was a poor connection. I mean, what would this show be without a poor connection? What was, uh, how was new year's? <laughs> um, it was fine. We didn't fine. do anything. Any ch- champy? Actually, Ryan and Spencer went to sleep, and then me, Olivia, my mom, and my brother's girlfriend uh, stayed up, and Olivia wanted to drink a glass of champagne. I told her if she made it till midnight, she could, and she made it to 11.53 or 11.48, one of those two, and just passed out. out. That's amazing. Yep. (laughs) She tried so hard to stay awake, too. All right. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. We probably have a lot to discuss. I'm sure we're going to talk Eclipse Awards. We have a great show today. We have from Franklin Avenue Equine. His name is Brian DiDonato. He's the managing partner. This is an East Coast syndicate type uh, 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 company. 
And uh, Brian also works for TDN. He's a great guy. He loves horse racing, which fits right into our show. For those of you tuning in for the first time, let me tell you really quick about five years ago, obviously, um, I had this idea that the owners needed a voice. Um, my whole premise was that uh, when you talk about a horse named, let's say, Mackenzie, it's Bob Baffert's Mackenzie, ridden by Mike Smith or whoever rides Mackenzie nowadays. Yeah, I was um, going to say. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and a lot of times in, in media and in the public eye, the owners, for whatever reason, were never mentioned. And it, it always kind of bugged me. It's not Bob Baffert's horse. He's the trainer of the horse, but it's not his horse. It's uh, Mike Pegram's horse uh, and Carl, Carl Watson Watson's and horse. Paul Whiteman's horse. And so we, we started the show called The Horse Ownership Experience because we wanted to bring owners on to tell their stories. And if you go to um, iTunes or you go to uh, latalkradio.com, we have now hundreds of shows uh, from everybody it, every almost every owner in the business, except for Gary Barber, who refuses to come on the show. Um, but other than and Larry that, Best. and Larry Best, who will not come on the show. Uh, but it's this is a very positive show. If you're looking for uh, uh, anger and hatred, this is not your place. Uh, I don't know. There is soapbox Billy that shows up. Soapbox every now Billy, and then. yeah. You know, there's always a little soapboxing, but that's usually it's positivity, right? It's not. Right. negativity it's it's right. here's what we need to do we're about we're, we're about solutions when we have them uh we don't want to just discuss problems over and over again i find that very boring as probably do the people who listen to our show so everybody who's <laughs> out there listening thank you thank you thank you the fact that we've been on for five years is a tribute to you um and uh we appreciate it and we're going to continue to do it and michelle takes a lot of time and really does a lot of the prep work for the show so Thank you to Michelle. And let's speaking uh, of, do yeah. you know I still have a running list of all the advice or like the key piece of advice all of our guests have given us? We have to do like a blog post. I know, right? I'll just forward it to you and right. you could steal it. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. And um well what's we've missed so much time. I can't even remember the last time we were on the air, Michelle. Was it was pre Breeders' Cup. Pre Breeders' Cup. We ne- we didn't talk about the Breeders' Yeah, we had a didn't we talk about the Breeders' Cup? I feel it was yeah. we did, but it was before entries or anything. No, but then we did. No, we did the show down in um, the fall at Del Mar. No, we didn't, did we? Yeah, yeah, we talked. Pretty no, much. yes, really. Yeah. Okay, then All I right. forget. It was pre. It was right when Del Mar ended. It was after Thanksgiving. Okay. So um, now that that's taken care of, uh, what do we have going on? And there's there's so much going on in the racing world. We've had the opening of Santa Anita. We have all these big races. The Pegasus is coming up. We have this new race uh, in Saudi Arabia. Michelle, what's where are we going to start? Uh, well, let's start with the Eclipse Awards. Okay. Um, so the Eclipse Awards, all the official votes were due on January 2nd. So everyone has already cast their votes. I made my vote public. Now, what? Let, wait, let me stop you there. Who, okay. who gets to vote for the Eclipse Awards? Like, why, why do you get to vote? The National Turf Writers and Broadcasters Association, the NTRA, and the Daily Racing Forum get to vote. Now, for the Media Eclipse Awards, there's like a panel because you have to like watch submissions and stuff that vote for that. Okay. So you are part of the broadcast. I am part team. of the national. Yes. Have you always voted for the Eclipse Awards? No, I have not. This is my first year getting to vote, actually. And why did you make your votes public? Well, I 
I always felt like when I looked at a lot of the categories, I just wanted to know like who voted this or who voted that. And there's always like a random someone that votes for, you know, like an Idaho bread for horse of the year or something. So I just felt like I always wanted to know who people voted for. And it shouldn't be a secret if you're putting your votes out there. Um, so I was some, more than a, happy yeah, to publish you, my votes. You got a little kickback on, on Twitter about it, right? Like people, yes, I did. You, did you, what was their basis of their uh, kind of I think the biggest like thing that people were angry about was that I didn't put code of honor for a top three-year-old. Oh, so you actually didn't get crap for making it public. You got shit right. for the actual yes, for like my actual picked. votes, like who I picked. Right. right. Okay. Uh, um, so see. yeah, that's what I got some shenanigans for, but. You know, again, it's like to each his own. And I didn't choose him because of, you know, my own reasons that I went on on Twitter. But it's like if you were voting and you liked him and you thought he was the best, like this one guy was like, he should get horse of the year or he should get three year old of the year. And I'm like, no, he shouldn't. He only won the Travers and then one race by DQ. If you think that's better than maximum security, losing the Derby by DQ and then coming back to win like three races impressively, like I don't know what to say. Right. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. So let's See? let's go. Listen, <laughs> we have about five minutes before Ronan is going to call Brian. Um, Brian, say his last name again. Did Donato? Am I saying D Donato? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's just how it looks to me. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And so I'll, I'll say this right now. I'm in like the one black spot that's right by my house. Okay, I'm going to so drive really happen? fast through it, though. Okay, you're going to drive fast through it. So we could lose you right here. I'm hoping you don't. Okay. Um, so well, we had like our first road to the Derby at, at Santa Anita this week. Uh, we have Shannon the Santa Inez. I saw I, Were you impressed with the Santa Inez? You're, I love that you're in the bad spot. Let me talk for a minute while you get through. The, um, the Santa Inez went to Bast, who has proven to be the best two-year-old filly in Baffert's barn. I actually, from a gambling standpoint, did not use her at two to five. Uh, I instead used Baffert's other two uh, fillies uh, who ran second and third, I believe. Um, I was not. I used the other horse to finish. Yeah, I was not overly impressed with Bast. I have been a Bast fan in the in the past. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, look, it's it's at, in Southern California this time of year. Everyone <laughs> has. To, every, like, not, I mean, everyone has to go through Baffert. Right, whether it's the three, right, uh, the three uh, uh, fillies that just ran, or he, of course, he wins the sham stakes um, with another, you know, freak, and he hasn't. We haven't even seen authentic. Heard, authentic. We haven't even heard from eight rings. We have not heard from. Uh, the, there's like five others that he has. It's it's like it's really incredible, and I've said this for a while. If you want a quick Billy soapbox before we call Brian. Um, it's that it's the Baffertization of Southern California. I've said it for a hundred years now, and it's you know you have a trainer who goes to the sale. We go to the sales. There's so many people that go to the sales to try to buy these horses, and the problem is it's very difficult to win these big three-year-old races in Southern California because you got to go through the guy with the white hair. You know, Michelle. Right. Uh, and and it's it's, yeah. it's 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 one of those things that like that's why if you look at. Look at the little red feather roster. There's a lot of turf horses on there, right? Because he doesn't run a lot of turf races. Um, if you have a dirt horse, 
um, you know, you, you might want to think of going some you know, traveling someplace else. I'm not saying go someplace else, but <laughs> traveling someplace else for some of these bigger races. Um, breaking your maiden. Yeah, is I think one he thing. won like 80 percent of his maiden special weight first time starters last year. Yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous number. Absolutely ridiculous number. So, yes, authentic. Um, obviously has some growing up to do. Uh, I, I thought he was going to maybe jump the rail. I don't Were know. You Were you scared? I mean, like, what? okay. when he, So anyone that didn't watch the race, he turns for home. He's like five in front and middle of the stretch. He like ducks into the rail and then Drayden pulls him back out and he like ducks in again. I mean, I felt like every single person took a huge gasping breath. Oh, yeah. I didn't breathe for probably five seconds. I was, this is not going to be good. I'm like, hold on, Drayden. Hold on, Drayden. Right? Hold um, on. I'm like, if he jumps the turf course and jumps back, can he still win the race? Yeah. It, he probably would have. That's how bad it was. I was just a little disappointed in some of the other horses. Um, I know Richie Baltus really liked Taishan in there. Um, kind of had a wide trip. Uh, got a lot of dirt in his face. Um, he'll be better next time out. But, you know, like I said, the road to the Derby in Southern California and in other parts of the country goes through Baffert because I heard Eight Rings is going to Oaklawn. Um, so... At this time of year, this is the fun stuff. We have uh, until May to to kind of sort it all out, and this is the fun time of year. Um, we saw a horse in, in New York, I thought, uh, uh, Eclipse Thoroughbred. Oh, Independence Hall. Independence Hall that was very impressive once again. He's unbeaten. He seems like the beast He's of the He's green, East. too. Did He's, you see him in the paddock? He almost killed people in the paddock. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. And these, uh, But they're asked to do a lot, and they're still young. They're still babies. Even though they just turned three, they're still really, really young, immature horses. Um, and and as, listen, I'll give an example. We ran the, um, Rip City on, on New Year's Day. And Rip City had run some decent races, nothing special in his first four career starts. Um, and all of a sudden, on New Year's Day, he wins by fifteen. The light bulb went on, and he won by ten lengths. There is Michelle. We are in a world where, and I've we've talked about this before. It is this instant gratification society, right? We want things right. now. We want things, you know, we want things ten seconds ago. Right. The news has to be out. Twitter has to be updated. You're everything you do. You have to get it out right away. Horses are animals and they need to be developed. And sometimes some horses develop faster than others. I had an interesting conversation with Don Chatlos the other day about um, Instagram. And obviously Instagram has had some physical issues, but he was so dominant and so fast as a two year old. And Don even said, you know, he just he just was more mature than everybody else. He just grew up faster. Right. He just got it. And obviously he's had some some physical issues that issues that have derailed him a little bit. But his race the other day wasn't terrible. It just wasn't, you know, mind-blowing like he was in his first couple of starts. And I think Well, I that's think, what happens. If you're precocious, you start right. off early and then everyone else catches up and then right. you have to kind of rediscover where you fit. Right. So let's do this, Michelle, um, because you seem like you're in a much better area. Let's have Ronan. Why don't you call Brian DiDonato from uh, Franklin Avenue Equine? We'll talk to Brian. We'll find out a little bit about his organization. And then we'll come back. Michelle will share her picks for the Eclipse Awards. And I will give you my opinions, even though I have no vote. How about that? <laughs> is that, is that a fair thing? <laughs> I like that. How do I get a vote? I don't even you're know if I'd want to You're a keyboard voter. Yeah, I could. I don't. I don't You can't know. have a vote. You're not a media person. Well, I kind of am. I'm a media person. I you do have this to show. Like, no, well, you have to um, work for like a major publication or station, and then you have to have two letters of recommendation from current 
upstanding members. And then twice a year, they have like a closed session and they vote and see if you're allowed in or not. Well, I'm trying to get in next year. I'm, you know what? Okay. I'm going to ask Brian DiDonato about it. See what he thinks. Yeah. He's coming on right now. Ronan's dialing. I can see it. Oh, good. So, I mean, we've only had one glitch on the show so far. <laughs> Brian. Oh, not on Usually the call Usually he yet. says hello before we talk to him, right? <laughs> I didn't get to hear him say hello. Ronan just texted. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Brian. How you doing? Hey, Brian. Hey, Happy New Year. It's Billy Koch and, Mich- and Michelle Yu. We're here on live on the horse uh, ownership experience. Uh, happy New Year to you guys, too, and thanks for having me on. All right. I have two really quick questions before we really deep dive. I see a picture of you, and you have a Go very thick beard. I'm a little jealous. Like, is yep. this is this current? <laughs> Has this beard been around for a while? Do you lose things in there? What's oh, the yeah. story? I think I've, I've probably had it for like five years now, and I met my fiance right after I grew it, and I kind of can't shave. I don't want to <laughs> see what's under there. So good move, my point, friend. At this point, I'm kind of committed to good, it. Good move, my friend. Brian, you don't know much about me, but do you think I should have a vote in the Eclipse Awards? No, I know, sure, but, um, no, probably not. Probably not. Okay, that's you know that's <laughs> totally fair. All right, let's get into this Franklin Avenue Equine. Um, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and and where you developed your love for horse racing, and how you started this business. Sure, uh, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, kind of got into racing the way a lot of people, you know, the same stories. A lot of people went to the track, went to Saratoga with my dad growing up. Uh, then when I got to college, I had a couple buddies who were kind of also fledgling degenerates. So we, you know, go to the OTV on a quiet Tuesday, that kind of thing. I've gotten to it from a handicapping perspective. Uh, then interned at Saratoga in the press box um, between junior and senior year. I always thought I was going to go to law school. Really didn't want to go to law school. Uh, and then luckily, after I graduated, got a job at the Thoroughbred Daily News. And I've been there since 2010. And then uh, kind of always wanted to get into the bloodstock side of things. And in 2017, you know, followed friends and family, finally raised enough money to buy one horse, and then it kind of grew from there. That's pretty impressive that you just started with one horse. And I think that's how a lot of us start. I mean, my story starts the same way. Um, uh, so you're at TDN. You've been there for a while, and you're like, you're like, I need to get into ownership. What was your pitch to your friends and family about getting into this and, and putting up actual – hard cash for this i mean a lot of it was i you know i knew people who were interested in racing and you know a lot of it's just the experience obviously uh and people who also had been to saratoga that kind of thing and you know i think being with the tdn for as, as long as i had i think i had a little bit of enough of a resume to kind of pitch myself to which is obviously a big part of it and luckily we had enough people who you know trusted me and were interested enough and yeah, the first one, the first one went fine and go great, but it was enough, and enough people got hooked, and you know, you kind of just build relationships from there. Brian, what do you think working at the TDN? And for those of you who don't know, it's you know, it's one of the major you know go-to reads in, in the business. What do you think working at the TDN has brought you experience-wise into the ro- into your role as a racing manager? I think the big thing is just. I mean, watching a ton of races, just pretty much seeing every race. And I think what we're, our focus at the TDN is on the bloodstock side of things. So every time you see a result, you see where the horse sold, how much they sold for, you see the pedigree. You know, I covered a ton of sales before I ever bought a horse at one. 
So you see that side of things, and I think you get a really good understanding. I think kind of everyone at the TDN is fostering us to kind of follow the money and follow that side and understand that side. So you have a really good understanding just from working at the TDN. So your first when horse... When you got your first oh, go horse, did go you ahead. buy a sales horse or did you claim a horse? I uh, bought a two-year-old and training at OBS April for 50000 And that was, that was the last time... Wow. I got kind of... We raised the money, and that was the last time I bought one where we actually raised the money before buying the horse, which I wish I could go back to that, because now <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sort of doing those distress of buying them on credit and figuring out after the fact, but that one, you know, and I remember it was it was pretty nerve-wracking at the time, but well, and that's, now you get yeah, used to it. It's funny you say that, because I tell people all the time, and Michelle, Michelle knows, we've been at sales together, when you're on a horse and mm-hmm. you have, let's say, 50000 is your budget, and you walk into that ring... Uh, to buy, it is nerve wracking. Your heart's going. Your palms are sweating. Tell us a little bit about that experience. What did you? Who was the horse? Uh, who was the consigner? Did you find out the reserve beforehand? Did you know what you were getting into? Well, so we were. It was OBS April. I was shopping with trainer Eddie Pleaser at the time. Uh, it was day one of OBS April. We had three horses on the list. This, the filly we actually bought wasn't on the list. So the first one was by the filly by the factor. I think she, you know, we could only spend 50. I think she went for maybe 140 or something. She actually ended up being a stakes winner out in California. Uh, named Factor of One. Then the second one was a data length silly. She went for a little too much. And then we had a uh, Cantheros who we kind of wanted to steal. And she, she ended up falling in our range, but she really didn't seem uh, worth it for the 50. Um, and then I kind of went back and looked at the RNAs that night, and there was a horse that we had crossed off because we figured she'd be too much money. Um, I think she'd RNA'd for maybe 105 as a yearling. And, you know, we were able to do a deal the next morning and got her for 50. And we should wow. be full of horse. I think she probably won three or four times in her career. And she, she got us our first win. Um, but, you know, she was no superstar either. No, that's... But we know. actually claimed her back. And now we have her... We, there's a breeding where she's going to be fed to Central Bank in this year. So we claimed her back. Oh, so wow. Yeah, that's a great story. What's, what's her name? Dawn Lightning. Dawn Lightning. Now let me. You know, this is an interesting yep. part that that you kind of you glossed over a little bit, and that's the the I thought she would be out of our price range. As you know, you may or may mm-hmm. not know, we we pinhook horses as well. So I am on the sales right. side yep. through Solana Beach Sales, and we get this all the time that people don't come look at our horses because they just assume that they're going to be too expensive. Brian, how do you how, at, to put your other hat on? You know, how do we as sellers say, "Hey, man, well, you don't know how much we want for this horse. Come see the horse. Just because it's we bought him as a yearling for a hundred doesn't mean we want a hundred. Well, for right. a cheap buyer, you know what you got to do? You got to be nice to the little guy. <laughs> I, I try to be. Go well, ahead. I think it helps. I, I think you know all, all the big trainers and blood agents have relationships with the consigners, and I, I think a lot of it's just kind of those relationships and obviously a lot of people are doing all shows and looking at every horse. I mean, what we do, it's tough when you're, you know, I don't, we've never bought more than two horses at one sale. So you're kind of really trying to pinpoint and we can't look at every horse and we know we can't afford, you know, 90% of them. So I think it is, I mean, it's tough for the, to kind of find a buyer and sell us for every horse. And I think that's the thing that most people don't realize at the sale. It's not as easy as just picking the horse you want and buying them. There's just so much more that goes into it. Now, I'm Brian, when you yeah, first ahead, started this venture and you and you go to you know uh, 
get all of your people and get them together. Was it always a plan to kind of focus on sales and buy horses at, you know, in that way, instead of just starting at the claiming level, just because it always seems like it's a, I don't want to say cheaper, but like a, a kind of a kinder introduction because horses are already racing rather than if you buy them at the sales and then people are excited and they have to sit and train a horse for, you know, a year. Right. I guess it kind of came down to what I was most interested in. That's kind of more my interest. And we do some claiming. We do, we do more claiming now than when we started. Um, mm-hmm. But it was kind of always my thing. And it's always, you know, I do a little blood sack work for other owners. And this was always kind of a little bit of a proof of concept to just kind of build my own business and then pick up other clients at the same time. So that was a big part of it too. Brian Deden. Yeah, were we saying your last name right? Because I always screw. I always screw that up. Didenato. Yeah, Didenato. 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 And and yeah. uh, okay, so I'm on, I'm on the site right now. Franklin. I just want to give it out. Franklin Ave Ave, yeah. not Avenue. Franklin Ave Equine dot com. What is Franklin Avenue? Yeah, uh, I was thinking it's, it's, Louisville, but then I noticed that you're in New Jersey. It's actually it's um. It's like a neighborhood in Connecticut where my family's from. And, you know, when we first started, we had a lot of people, a lot of friends and family from Connecticut. So it was kind of a Connecticut connection. And then if you look at our silks, um, hopefully I'm not violating any licensing with this, but they, <laughs> they're kind of based on the old retro Hartford Whalers silk. Wait, Hartford Whalers. So that's that's right. Yes. Yeah. I see it. No, you're probably not. And no one cares. I mean, except my business. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're, I think those are like the, the most, the best selling jerseys of my Hockey team these days. They're, they're more popular <laughs> now than they actually existed. So, how many people are currently in? Uh, how many partners are in Franklin Avenue Equine? And uh, what's your depends on the horse. Style? We... Sorry, what was the second question? Oh, she wanted to know about, about your management like, style, yeah. but we can get into that. Just try not to listen um, to Michelle too much. Depends on the horse. Uh, so, we have a claiming venture with Jason Barkley, uh, my tr- our main trainer, and I run. And I think we probably have close to 60 owners in that. Um, and that's a rotating wow. group of three horses. Uh, you know, we rate, it's a one-time fee, you buy in, and we try to try to always have two or three in training at one time. And we, you know, manage it so expenses, you know, you never have to pay again. There's never a cash call on those. Uh, but the auction horses, it's usually smaller. And sometimes it's a lot smaller. There, you know, there are horses that it's really just me and somebody else or whatever. Um, oh, okay. But as many as as many as like you know sixty on So what like, is uh, most. Michelle asked about your management style, and I'll put you on the spot here. Um, how are you making money in this venture, or is this are you is TDN your job, and this is your your fun and your entertainment? I mean, TDN is definitely paying the bills. It's kind <laughs> of I'm hoping it switches the other way at some point. It's still early. Um, I was lucky enough to own. The one thing that's good about when you can't sell a horse out is you end up owning way more than you're comfortable owning. On uh, one of our early horses, I owned a, way more than I probably should have. And luckily, we sold her privately for a fair bit of money, and it kind of has helped bankroll a lot of the future purchases. Oh, that's great. Well, that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, yeah that's a really nice way to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Tell and- uh, obviously, you said Jason's kind of one of your main mans now, or your main man. How did you get involved yeah. with Barkley? Uh, it was actually through Twitter. He messaged me, and he had seen well, some. I think I'm like a year older than him, but you know, close in age. Uh, 
I think we probably already followed each other on Twitter. And at some point, he messaged me and said, "Hey, good luck. If you're ever looking for to do some stuff in Kentucky, we should do it." And then we kind of just kept talking and claim. Our, actually, the first horse we got together was a claim. Um, we claimed one to Pinhook as a brood mare, so we claimed her for seventy five hundred at Ellis. Ran her twice, didn't go well, but we sold her for thirty thousand, and everybody made a little money, and it was kind of a good start for he and I. Great. Oh, that's a great story. That 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 doesn't happen every day, my friend. You know that. Now, and I have to ask you too. Like, I mean, so he just approached you on Twitter, and he's like, "Hey, if you ever need a trainer, like, what kind of background did you check out, or did you did you happen to like hear about him, or?" I mean, he was fresh, you know, just getting into the into right. his own. He had been an assistant for Wesley and stuff. But, you know, what made you decide, yeah, I'm going to put my faith in my venture in this new kid? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of because we're similar in that way. Like, I'm, you know, I started kind of out of blue. Um, and we just really have a really good working relationship. We talk way too much on the phone. Both of our significant others are rolling their eyes when they see that one of us is calling the other one. But, you know, we, we really compliment each other, I think. And I'm way more of the paper guy. And, you know, I do, I handle all the updates and that kind of thing. He's the hands-on person. And I think we just have a really good synergy that way. And it's just, I mean, it helps that we get along pretty well. Usually. Love it first tweet. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Much. That should be the name of a show. I'd like to I'd like to know how being on this show compares to being on at the races with Steve Bick. Uh, I I mean are you having more, it's probably more fun. It's probably more this is the best interview ever, you said? No, I'll tell you when this interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> most, most good. Uh, how many horses do you have right now as part of like well uh, under the entire umbrella I guess of Franklin Avenue. Um, so there's six in Arkansas with Jason right now. There are three older horses that are at Oakland, three uh, newly turned two year old fillies that he trains in the training center. He he trains the regular string, um, all his horses in the morning and then goes to the training center and trains all the babies. Um, then we left one with his dad, his dad Jeff Barkley's a longtime trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we left one with him at Turfway, who just kind of stood better there and liked the synthetic. And then I've got two at Leah Germati in New York, uh, both newly turned three-year-olds by Central Banker. And then, you know, I've got pieces of some mares and pinhooks and that kind of thing, too. What is your tie with Central Banker? Because you mentioned that you're, you bred Don Lightning to Central Banker. I see you have another horse by Central Banker. It's just really, I mean, I think he's kind of going to be the the next big thing in new york kind of okay no other connection beyond that um oh, he's buying I mean, we like the two we've had you know he's he seems like the real deal and they're the thing that's amazing about them is they're just so versatile I mean, he's had a ton of winners but you know he's had winners sprinting turf dirt riding everything mm-hmm. central banker there should be when we can go on twitter michelle maybe he could be our new sponsor I know. Uh, you can, don't don't say that to Taylor Made. They might be upset. We yeah, just need someone to fill California <laughs> Chrome shoes. Yeah, that's true. Um, when you go to the sales, Brian, when um, obviously you said the first time you went, you went with like set amount of money that you had pre raised. Now you said you're kind of working on credit and finding partners after. But do you still go in with a budget? And if so, how do you kind of justify what your budget for either the overall sale is going to be or for each horse? I mean, we're kind of always looking for value, and sometimes I think to our own detriment, we've we've let a lot of horses slip through that, you know, we set a number, and we just refuse to kind of go off that number. And I mean, usually it works out. I think probably long term, 
it's better to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of can't afford to make mistakes, and we've made. I mean, we've definitely made some mistakes. <laughs> Everybody I think it's actually does. gotten tough in the in the right in the. I think in the range that we shop, I think a two year old sales has gotten really tough because, you know, I don't say anybody, but a lot of people can go raise fifty thousand dollars and go to that sale. Um, you know, go to OBS, and the horses that are probably worth fifty end up selling for. 75 because so many people see the obvious around the same horse mm-hmm. um so we're kind of i think we're going to kind of switch our strategy this year i think generally we're better with the yearlings anyways um and we shop we kind of find really low priced yearlings the horse i mentioned before who we won with a keenland and sold we only paid 17 for we have a philly arch avenue we paid 5500 dollars for um you know she's going to run a stake at sam houston at the end of the month she's been a really nice little horse so nice. I think for the yearlings, we like to focus on the really kind of the low, the low end. Um, and we're going to make a rule this year at the two-year-old sales. We're going to, if we don't have a certain amount to spend, we're not going to buy anything. That's because smart. I think Good we're kind discipline. of in a weird spot. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question, Michelle, about Franklin Avenue equine. I want to know, Jay, uh, Jason, um, Brian, I just said Brian. Jason. Jeez, I was looking at the, the you were on Jason Beam also. <laughs> Brian, I apologize. Brian, but um, sell yes. Franklin Avenue. How is it different than other partnerships? And obviously, I run a partnership. There are big partnerships out there, right. the Eclipses of the World and West Points and, and, and obviously Little Red Feather. But what is Franklin Avenue? How is it different? And how would you pitch it to, a, to an owner that's out there listening right now? I think we're kind of right in the middle now between the higher-end partnerships, like you mentioned, and the micro partnerships, you know, buy 0.0001% of a horse or the, um, the racing groups where you don't actually have equity. We're kind of for the, maybe the lower to middle level owner who wants to get into, into racing and actually have some skin in the game. Um, and maybe doesn't have, you know, 25,000 or more to put up. Right. Uh, and I think the thing that really separates us and I know, I mean, every partnership does this and I'm sure they're all really good at it, but I think what really separates us is our, communication and our updates and obviously you know being a professional writer helps with that and i think we try to overshare overshare as much as we can and you know maybe kind of you know spam our owners every day but i think they enjoy that and i think the thing is there's so much time in between races and you kind of have to keep people interested and you know it's tough when the horses on the shelf and all that but absolutely do you give out do you do video updates or text message or photos what do you think is the most popular yeah, uh, i think the videos are good like we had a horse breeze this morning um down the bottom at oakland so we sent a video and i you know talked about it and i just before you before you guys called i'm putting together some videos of our yearlings so i'll send those out so everyone who's there on those is just, you know, them galloping, and not just a two-year-old now, just them galloping, you know, a couple times over the past week. All the entry stuff, and then so with the claiming venture, a lot of it is telling, letting people know who we're going to claim. So it'll be, you know, their PPs, it'll be our plan, why we like the horse, mm-hmm. and where we think we can run them next, and, you know, here are PPs of a horse that won this race last month, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of that, too. Yeah, it all I sounds like it. it all sounds good. Uh, Brian DiDonato, we appreciate you coming on the show. Give us, a, you know, we always we're starting off the new year. We have a standard kind of end of uh, interview question, and that that mm-hmm. is one piece of advice for a new owner that's looking to get into the game. What would you give? I would say learn how to be a good loser. <laughs> wow, learn, that's a great, know, great piece one. of advice. If you can't handle that, if you can't handle being disappointed 
miserable half the time, or more than half the time. You know, if you can't <laughs> handle seeing your horse run scavenge and then going a big vet bill the next day, uh, stuff like that. If you can't handle that, you can't, you know, play nicely with others and your partners, you're really just not going to enjoy it. And no one's going to really, you know, enjoy partnering with you. So I would say that's, that's my big thing. And just have to be able to handle those things and hopefully get lucky when, you know, Occasionally. Great advice. I like it. Great That's advice. That's a great piece of advice. Brian DiDonato, you, are, uh, you keep the beard going. Do you want to, um, is there an, uh, I think I already said the website, but do you want to give the website out or a phone number or an email? Sure. Uh, FranklinAveEquine.com. Frank, Franklin, uh All the information is on there. You can access all our social media and there's a way to subscribe. And, well, know, Fantastic. Feel free to reach out. We'd be happy to get you on something. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Brian. And best of luck in 2020. Have a great Oakland meet. And hopefully maybe we'll see you in New York. I'm going to be in New York this weekend, actually. So uh, maybe we'll run Mm -hmm. Maybe our paths will cross, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Take care. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Brian DiDonato from Franklin Avenue Equine. That's franklinavequine.com. Uh, thank you for oh, sending that Oh, we didn't even get to ask him about Oaklawn coming up, which is the whole reason I got him on the show. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he was good. He was very good. Yeah. And we were running out of time because we only have about 10 I minutes. Know. And I oh, wanted I know. to go. I wanted to go through the Eclipse Awards. Now, first of all, I okay. was very. And thanks, by the way, thanks to Jason Barkley, by the way, for setting that up for us. Thank you, Jason. Um, first of all, uh, I'm very disappointed that you were not, you know, they, they announced the hosts, which are uh, Gabby Gaudette. Brittany Erton and who's the other one? Acacia Courtney. Acacia. Okay, so they got mm-hmm. this is like you know girl power. They're awesome. I'm friends with all of them, but no Michelle Yu, and I was a little disappointed. I have to say. Oh, I appreciate that, Billy. Thank yeah. you. I think I'm too old. You're not old. How old are you? Like twenty five? Maybe I'm not prominent enough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed. Thank you, Billy. I would have voted for you. Personally. I appreciate that. All right, so let's let's get Thank going you. now. We're going to go through this, and here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to read off the category. I'm going to read off the nominees. We're going to get Michelle's pick, and then I'm going to give what I would do. Is that fair? Okay, sounds good. I have to pull up who I picked, so I'm okay, going to so go on I'll, speaker. I'm going to okay. go slow. Okay, Horse of the Year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bricks and Mortar, Maximum Security, and Matoli. Now so I voted for bricks and mortar, Matoli, and Midnight Bisu. You oh, you got Midnight Bisu in there instead of Maximum Security. Why? Yeah, because I thought her overall campaign was really good. She traveled a lot and won a ton. Um, she obviously got beat on Breeders' Cup Day, which is why I couldn't put her for number one because I would have. Um, but I just didn't think that Maximum Security. He missed a big chunk of the year, and even though his last you know two races or whatever were very good efforts um i just like the fact that midnight bizu threw down for the entire year i think it's fair i don't i don't disagree with you i would give it and though i'm going to tell you who's going to win is going to be bricks and mortar i agree undefeated uh even you know look he's a turf horse who cares the horse did everything and his breeders cup was sensational as were all of his races to be quite honest uh, well, and, and someone complained that like, oh, the Breeders' Cup turf field he beat was garbage. It's like it was also not a great trip for him. It was a distance that was beyond his comfort zone. And Michelle. like he had no mar on the year. And it's still the Breeders' Cup. Haters going to hate. Haters going to exactly. hate. Exactly. Two-year-old Preach. male. The nominees were Maxfield, Storm the Court, and Structure. 
So I voted for Structor, Storm the Court, and Four-Wheel Drive. Interesting. I like Four-Wheel Drive sneaking in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And the probable winner is going to be... Well, that depends on how the voters see it. If they see it as best campaign or dirt campaign. Because obviously Storm the Court won the Breeders' Cup, but like... uh, yeah. His rest of the year, he didn't did he even did he even break his maiden. I don't I don't even know. I think Structor had the best overall campaign. I you know I tend to agree with you. I'm going to go Structor. Okay. Okay. I like it. Two year old filly, Bast, British idiom, sharing. I voted for all those three, but I put British idiom on top. And I think British idiom will probably win the award for Brad Cox. because she beat Bast head to head. They were she really did. She ran the best on mm-hmm. Breeders' Cup day, Breeders' Cup Day, and I think British idiom will take that. Three year old male. This is where Michelle got in trouble on Twitter. Code of Honor, <laughs> Maximum Security, and Omaha Beach. So I put Maximum Security, Omaha Beach, and Fun to Run. Oh, you threw him in for his Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile win instead of Code of Honor. I like that. Not, not, but see now. Well, who's gonna win? Not only did he win the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile over Omaha Beach, fair and square, but also he's run very close to maximum security. So if you think maximum security is the best, he's finished second to maximum security and closer than Code of Honor ran behind maximum security. I think maximum. So, yeah, I think maximum security is going to win this. Um, I agree, and, but and I think deserving. that I had a fair a fair point on Spun to Run. I think Omaha Beach missed too much time. And he may be the most talented of the bunch, but he missed too much time. But it now, Michelle, I, is you it, know, I'll tell you why I put him in second, though, because he also won early on in the year. Right. He won like a grade one and then he came back to be older horses in a grade one. And then he ran second in the Breeders' Cup and then he came back to win a grade one. Right. Had so, he like, won, had he at, won at the Breeders' Cup, distances. Had, he, had he won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, I think we're, we're, we're talking that it's a very close race. How about that? Mm hmm. Right. Three-year-old filly is Confefi Guarana and Serengeti Empress, who won the Kentucky Oaks. Interesting. Uh, I trio put Bellafina as my third choice. Uh, so you had Confefi Guarana and Bellafina. Yes. And I assume you think Confefi is going to win this. I do. Okay. Yes. She pretty, didn't really have a hiccup this year, and she won the Breeders' Cup. I thought this was a very interesting division. Older dirt male. You have Mackenzie. Mitoli and Vino Rosso, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Usually the Breeders' Cup Classic winner would be the favorite in this category, but you mm-hmm. have Mitoli, who won the uh, who won the Met Mile, beating McKenzie, and then he came back to dominate in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. That's an, it, this is an interesting race, and McKenzie won uh, the big race at Saratoga. Well, for me, I liked Matoli best in here. I know a lot of people are going to try and like pigeonhole him into the sprint category only, but I feel like he deserves older male because his overall campaign as a male dirt horse was superior to the other horses' campaigns. I mean, McKenzie only won one race, right? Vinarosa won two, both at Santa Anita. No, and, Um, and he was DQ'd up in the other race, so three. DQ'd down. I mean, DQ down. So, I mean, he, yeah, he crossed the wire, yeah. front, but technically he didn't uh, you know win, what, right? Michelle, uh, Michelle, I'm going to I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to go Vino Rosso okay. here, and then I'm going to go Matoli in the male sprinter category, which has an imperial See, hit, you're Mattoli, like, you, and World of you just cubbyhold yourself. I cubbyhold myself. I'm a cubbyhole. Okay. Yeah, I did okay. it. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, older. We don't have to do male sprinter now. Older dirt female blue prize a late and midnight bisu. This seems like a slam dunk for midnight bisu, even though she was defeated by blue prize in the Breeders' Cup. Body of work was better. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. We're on the same page there. Female sprinter Belvoir Bay come dancing Kafefi. I think you also have to give this to Kafefi based on her effort in the Breeders' Cup and her body of work. I don't think Michelle, you'll have too much argument there. Nope. Male turf horse, bricks and mortar, Mo Forza, World of Trouble. Amazingly, Mo Forza, who was a maiden uh, late in For the summer, six starts. <laughs> got into this category based on his win in the Hollywood Derby and the Mathis Brothers Mile. Um, and the and the Twilight Derby. And the Twilight Derby. Three straight graded stakes wins, but it, this is going to bricks and mortar. Uh, female yes. turf horse. Got, this is a great category. Got Stormy, Sister Charlie, Uni, you have two milers in Got Stormy and Uni that that traded punches. Although Uni got the best of her in the last two starts, so you have to. But then Got Stormy came back and won the Matriarch, and you have Sister Charlie who is undefeated until the Breeders' Cup loss. So, and that's why I threw out Sister Charlie. I actually put Iridessa in my top three. Oh, look who at you, beat Michelle. Sister Charlie. You are so tricky. You're so non cubby holish. Uh, I'm gonna well, have to know, go Uni. And then here. because like, Uni. look at look I'm at Sister got- Charlie didn't even run second. She ran third. She got beat by Vasilika. I'm a big Got Stormy fan. I'm a huge Sister Charlie fan, but I'm going to give it to Uni based on yep. you know her two last two races were absolutely powerhouse. Uh, you, mm-hmm. All right, Michelle, this is your specialty: steeplechase horse, <laughs> brain power, Scorpioncer, and Winston C. I could not tell you. I bet. I bet. I voted for Winston C. On top of brain power and then scorpion answer okay. i went with winston c because he was the lone horse to win two jumping grade ones this year okay. um and then i used brain power because he had a couple of good efforts and scorpion answer had one phenomenal effort okay so winston c is going to win this yeah all right i think winston c Owner, should win this the gary barber who refuses to come on the horse ownership experience peter Brandt. i put him on top peter brandt caravit claravit stables inc and william h lawrence I put uh, Gary Barber on top, Hironis Racing second, and LNJ Foxwoods third. But I was very heavily debating putting on LRF. You know, Michelle, that's why you are a genius because LRF, you know, listen, we're not, we don't have as many horses as these guys, but we had a hell of a year. And I appreciate that from the bottom mm-hmm. of my heart. You did have a hell I, of a year. I think- and I'll be honest, Bill, if you had like, if this was like a California based. Yeah, we'd voting, be right there. You for sure would be on top. Well, I appreciate that. Ronus is pretty good, as is Paul Redham, and as is, there's a lot of great owners out here. In yeah, California. but I think that's what I'm saying. If I think if this year we were doing exclusively yeah. California, California owners, owner I would year. put you, know you on top this year. I think you guys had a banner, unbelievable year, yeah. and not just with stakes horses, which is key, right? Because the right. majority of our races that we watch day in day out are not stakes races. So that was where I really felt like you should get some kind of recognition there. Um, but I know that, you know, you look at the Eclipse Awards, you're looking at kind of the yeah. how many big wins you have Absolutely. more. Well, you know what, Michelle? And Gary Barber, for a single owner, had a amazing, amazing phenomenal, year. record-breaking year. He will, he will come on the show when he hears that. Uh, Breeder, <laughs> Calumet Farm, Godolphin, and George Starbridge Jr. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I took a really long time to put this together. I did George Strawbridge, Calumet, and then the Farishes. Oh, and but who's the favorite let, in this? Who's the favorite? I, Calumet. I'll tell you. I have. 
I have no idea who the favorite I think is. It's Godolphin. I think Godolphin. Uh, the category, the like the, the, the like, there's no like PPs, right? They just give you like leading owners by money and leading owners by stakes, kind of. Right. It's like two things they give you. So I feel like there should be a little bit more detailed information. Like it should say like George Strawbridge, who bred you know, uh, 75 horses last year, and of them that started, 50 were winners, including yeah, right. 10 graded stakes. Well, you, His most notable yeah. bred horses were blah, 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 they blah, blah. They don't give you that. They don't give you that information. They don't All give right. you. And so that's why I actually went into, like, the top 10 people and looked at who they're, who the horses were. So, like, George Strawbridge had, like, 20 starts and 10 graded stakes, but five of them were bricks and mortar. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration. I ended up putting him on top, though, because he had a really small sampling of horses. I think he only bred like 70 horses last year. A huge number of them, percentage-wise, started. And a vast number of them were stakes winners. And each horse had like 4.8 starts or something like that, which is a lot more than a lot of these other people that bred a ton of horses. And they had like their average was like one start. So I think George has been bringing quality and durability. That's next gen stats, Michelle. I mean, you are. I know, you right? are really going for it. It's All right, Billy, trainer. You have no idea. I, I do have like an three idea. Hours going through these. <laughs> trainer Steve Asmussen, Chad Brown, Brad Cox. Those were my three. Is all I did put Chad on top because again, I mean, he had pure, a phenomenal yeah, year because he has numbers. great stock, but he, he has, does a good job with it. He really does. I think all three of these guys had great years. I think Brad Cox mm-hmm. is going to be a name that you're going to hear year in and year out. He had an unbelievable right. year as he did the year before. But Chad Brown is in another world. He's another planet. Jockey Javier Castellano, or as you say it, Castellano. How do you say it again? Castellano. Yeah, and I say Castellano. It's like tomato, tomato. Uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. and Jose Ortiz, brothers, uh, who were embattled in controversy on Twitter in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Irad Ortiz has got to be the favorite in this category, Michelle. I would say so. Um, I know everyone was in arms because he um, you know, broke all these records for money earned. But it's like as our purse money gets bigger, of course these guys are going right. to break records because the races are worth more money. And Absolutely. I know he was $6 million in front of like the next person as far as earnings go. But he earned like six point six million on Breeders' Cup Day, so like, it's not like he did that right. the hard way. For myself, I personally, I put Flavian Pratt on top. You did for jockey. I did. Oh, good for you. All right, the first twenty twenty edition of the Horse Ownership Experience is over. Great guest today, Michelle. Thank you for setting us up with Brian DiDonato from Franklin Avenue Equine. Thanks to TaylorMade, Delmar, Santa Anita, who are our fantastic sponsors. Michelle, I have to go back and get some new sponsors this year um, so we can, get, oh, we can get you paid. Hit the pavement. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah. that. That's my, that's my job this week. But uh, we appreciate yeah, all buddy. the listeners. You can listen at iTunes, Stitcher, uh, latalkradio.com. You can find out more. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at ownahorse, uh, at bklrf, at the Michelle U. Uh, email me, Billy, at littleredfeather.com if you're interested in or need to know anything about horse racing ownership. We are here to help. That's the gist of this show. Michelle, love you. We'll do this again next Tuesday and have a great, great week at the Great Race Place. Thanks, that was a pretty, Thanks Billy. That was a pretty good ending. That was a great ending. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, sis. How was your man? You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. 
Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm.